Greetings all and welcome to another episode of the Everyday Hope Podcast. I hope you're all doing well. I know I haven't quite gotten back to what you'd call regular. Things have been a little crazy for me. But we're here together again. Glad to be with you. I know things have been a little nuts for everybody out there. Sometimes life invades, sometimes work invades. But I can't leave Revelation where we've left it. The story isn't over yet. There are a couple chapters yet to discuss, and I think they're the most important chapters of all. So just as a way of closing up this study of the book of Revelation, just want to have a quick conversation about chapters 19 to 22 and what they mean and what this book means. So if you go through this, after all the mayhem, all the craziness of the previous chapters, the Great and awesome day of the Lord has come. And there is a section at the beginning of chapter 19 of just worship in heaven. There are 10 verses that is just worship. And that, but that's what happens when this day comes. When, when we read all of this about the day of the Lord and it seems so scary, remember who it's scary to, right? God's people have been marked out. We've been set aside. We're his property. Our passports have been stamped, right? And we participate along with the host of heaven here in chapter 19 with worship. We glorify the Lord because the Lord is good and he has rescued us, right? We see the rider on the white horse. We see the beast and its armies defeated. I know a lot of people want to spend a lot of time breaking this down and talking about exactly when this is going to happen. I'm not sure that's the point, but by all means, feel free. When you're done with that, we move on to chapter 20, and we see what we could make a really good case is a figurative thousand years. This word, kilion in Greek, is used only one time. It's only used here. So maybe what we're talking about is a really, really long time, right before the end, right before the great and awesome day of the Lord. Maybe the church has been standing against for all this time. We see Satan's doom in chapter 20. We see judgment day. In chapter 20. And then comes the good stuff. In chapter 21, John sees a new heaven and a new earth. John sees God having recreated everything to be perfect. He sees the home of God among people and he dwells with them. Chapter 3 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. We see a vision of the new Jerusalem coming out of the sky. We see a city that doesn't require a temple, because you don't need a temple when God is present with you. We see a city that doesn't require a sun because the light of God lights the city. This is a beautiful end to what has been a little bit of a scary book. Now, I just want to have a quick conversation here because it was at lunch. It was at Brother John's barbecue with a very good friend of mine. and We were chit-chatting about stuff. Started talking about Revelation. And a question came up I think is a very good question. The question of why? What is the point of this book? Why would God give us a book that is so scary and confusing and hard to understand? And remember, there was a debate in the early church about whether or not to include Revelation in the Bible. Now, in the olden days, they thought about three tests 
to determine whether or not a book should make it into the Bible. When we're talking about the New Testament, right? They looked for um, wide acceptance by the churches. They looked for the content. And it, and it had to have apostolic roots. It had to be written by someone who was deeply connected to Jesus. Well, Revelation fit all of those. It passed every test. And yet the church was still concerned. Do you know why the church was worried about this book? Because it's scary. There's a lot of scary stuff here, right? And then we read this book today. Here it is, 2021. And it's hard to understand and people struggle with it. Now, you guys know that I've taken a little bit leaner interpretation of this book. I believe pretty strongly that any interpretation that would have baffled the first readers is probably a mistake. It's wrong for us to read this book as if God wrote it to folks in the 20th or 21st centuries when the people who got the book in the early 2nd century couldn't make hide and hair of it. It really didn't make any sense to me. But it still begs the question, why? And so my friend and I debated this question. You know, why? Why is this book here? What's the point of this book? And, and even if it's a simpler book to understand, even if we take a leaner interpretation of the book, we're still wondering what its point was. Well, think back to when we started this discussion, right? Think back to the messages to the seven churches. I mean, this whole thing is messages to the seven churches, right? But think about those individual sections in chapters two and three, and think about what some of those churches had in common, right? The, there were some that were doing some good, but also doing some bad. There were some that were just bad, but there are a couple churches there that had this one thing in common, suffering persecution, right? I mean, this is a time when the church is being persecuted. And you think about this, in the through the first century, especially the last half of the first century, you know, everybody was trying to stamp the church out. I know that there are some weird heretical teachers out there that like to talk about this war that the church had with Rome, but um, Rome was the one of the greatest empires to ever stand on the face of the earth, right? Um, I think uh, Rome was sacked in 390 BC, grew out of that, became a great empire. And no foreign army entered the city of Rome again until Alaric sacked Rome in 410 AD. And if you're keeping score at home, that's 800 years. Right? That's what Rome was. Right? The early church was a bunch of people hiding and trying not to die. Rome went through a series of state-sponsored persecutions. Some were worse than others. People were murdered. The books were, were hunted down and burned. And yet the church survived. Right? Think about that. But during this time, the church was under persecution, right? And it wasn't just the Roman government. If you lived in a Jewish area, the Jews didn't like the Christians anymore than Rome did. The church was under persecution from a lot of different areas. Christians were being killed, right? The church was being persecuted. This book is written to us, written to the church, written to a church who's confused about what's going on in the world, church full of people who are suffering. Maybe things aren't going our way. Maybe the world's crazy. Maybe things don't make sense. Maybe there's a pandemic. Maybe maybe, maybe it feels like the sky is falling and we're waiting for Christ to return and he hasn't come back and we're wondering why. And what are we all supposed to make about this, right? That's who this book was written to. And so it is as relevant to us today in 2021 as it was to the people right at the end of the first and the beginning of the second centuries. A church that was suffering, a church that was afraid, a church that didn't know what was going to happen. And to the church, then and now, this book says one thing. Don't be afraid 
Agathas. This is a victory song. This is God telling us that in the midst of all the mayhem and with the looming, terrible, and awesome day of the Lord coming, that he is going to set it right. He is going to set us free. He is going to rescue us. He is going to remake everything to be perfect. God wins. No matter how crazy things look. It's a victory song. And so as you sit down to read Revelation, you think to yourself, why? Why would we have this crazy book in the Bible? Why would we have all of this in the Bible? And maybe it's God's way to say, yes, there's craziness out there. Rome is going to attack us. The great and awesome day of the Lord is going to come. The world's going to dissolve. And I am going to win and I am going to rescue my people. It's an awesome book. This is an awesome book, and it is an awesome message to the church at every age, the church that has wondered and doubted and feared. And God says, don't be afraid. I got this. And he does. And we read it here, especially in these last chapters where we see everything made new, everything made right, every tear wiped away. I want to just read a A verse here in chapter 22, chapter 22, verse 17. Now let's read 16 and 17. It says, it is I, Jesus, who send my angel to you. He's speaking to John here. I sent my angel to you with this testimony for the churches. I sent my angel to you with this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let everyone here say, come. Let everyone who is thirsty Come, let anyone who wishes to take the water of life as a gift. This is awesome. This is an awesome promise. So, look, 2021. 2020 was bad. 2021 is a little weird. We're not sure where stuff is going. We're not sure how it's all going to shake out. I wonder if lull and the pandemic is is just a, a new piece of ground to worry what's next. But listen, we don't have to do that, right? Whatever comes, right? Whatever comes, we have a promise from God that in the end, he is going to win and he is going to make it all right. He's going to make it all right. And I hope that when you read Revelation with whatever you want to do with the imagery, you want to overthink it or underthink it, you want to go with some popular interpretations of it, that's fine. Just please don't let anything distract you from the truth of the message of this book. That in the end, God will win and set it all right. And we have that promise to look forward to. Can I get an amen? Will you pray with me? We you keep your eyes on what you're doing? And let your hearts pray with me. Father, we thank you for this book. This weird and wonderful book. We thank you for the promises that you give us in this book. Lord, we ask right now that you will make this real for all of us. You win and be that for us. Be our conqueror, be our victor. Guard and protect us. Walk us through these crazy times, Lord, and let us share with you in your victory because of your great name, because of your grace and your love for us. We thank you and praise you for all of that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Everyday Hope is going to take a little shift now that we're through the book of Revelation. And I think we're going to take a look at Well, it could be my favorite book of the Bible. I think it's a book of the Bible that the Gospels rest on. Gosh, I hope that wasn't heresy. I don't know. We'll find out. 
but I'm really thinking we should take a good, hard, solid look at the book of Job. Most people think Job's about suffering, but guess what? It's really not. So if you're interested, join me in the next episode. Until then, peace.